Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke and with me from across the pond is Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how you doing, sir? I am doing very well, JP. We are almost in spooky season. We are now in pumpkin spice season. We are in the most basic of seasons and I am absolutely here for it. I had my first Mm -hmm, actual mm -hmm. pumpkin spice latte this week uh, of the year. Uh, So I'm very excited about that. It's still really hot, but whatever. It, it is what it, it is. is. But we're getting into into scary season. Here on the BAMP, though, as we mentioned, we're, we're kind of in the midst of scary season because starting from a few weeks ago and ending in mid-October, we have a potentially torrential run of films to cover. But we'll get to that. I'm good, though, my friend. How are you? Keeping Florida safe and well? Doing pretty well. It is, it's also very hot here. Um, every like Our uh, local Aldi, I think that I'm just going to say their name, um, they have like so much pumpkin flavored product right now, dude. Um, I got like pumpkin uh, pumpkin loaf cake the other day, which was really tasty. And mm. then uh, oh, they have, dude. I don't know if I've to- told you I'm into like sparkling water now. That's like my go to beverage. They have a pumpkin pie flavored sparkling water. It's so American. All the dude, it's so good. It's zero calories. It, it tastes like pumpkin pie. It, it is. Oh, I love it's, it doesn't pie. go with everything because of that. You know, like it's more of like a casual drink it by itself type of drink. But man, um, I, I like all these uh, sparkling water anyways. Like it's for the price and the flavor. It's pretty good. And the pumpkin pie is their seasonal. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to be sad when this is gone. But yeah, they have a whole end cap of like pumpkin spice flavored products. And Damn. I have not indulged in all of them. But man, is it tempting because there's like pumpkin pumpkin spice oatmeal and pumpkin spice flavored oreos and i'm like early days so far sorry to drink i've just said it's hot i've lit as you were talking the the heavens have opened here and it's hammering it down now so there's welcome to england we've just had we've just got a new audi open up around the corner from where i am literally it's opened up about a day or two ago so i will be going there uh tomorrow night if i don't go to the gym which i probably should go to the gym i can do both and i'm going to see if they have that pumpkin by sparkling water or if my claim that it is so american holds any weight mm. I, I i like sparkling water has become really trendy here over because it's zero calorie but it still gives you the carbonation flavor most of them don't have too much uh stuff in them like they're like zero yeah. almost it's basically supposedly it's just like drinking water except it taste like something else and uh so i've been really drinking that a lot and i like it but um yeah if they have it man get test it out because it's it's pretty wildly delicious i will i'm not a big sparkling water fan so this could be what uh changes my mind on the whole carbonated h2o i used to not like it either and then i i kind of just just like i'm like i'm going to get where i enjoy this and i have uh so um like many things if you if you train yourself to to enjoy something uh or it might be untraining yourself to you know from from sugary beverages to the unsugary kind where like you know that uh that flavors there it's just maybe not enough compared to the other stuff you've been eating or drinking so but yeah. i don't know for sure what happened but i i've totally 180 on it like a, i probably a year ago i was giving people crap for buying like bubbly or Lacroix, and now i'm like yeah yeah give me one of those so <laughs> the bloody awesome sparkling water podcast is here we are here for it but really we we, we got to take you to church matt yeah yeah we we got to go to church this week folks if you if you don't know we're here to review the newest one 
a Conjureverse. I don't know what it's supposed to be called. I don't like the Conjureverse, guys. If you've been listening to this show, it's become apparent that I apparently don't like James Wan. Not as a person, but as a filmmaker. And uh, I like three of his movies. I like The Conjuring. Yeah. I like the one with the puppet that I don't oh, remember what it's, it's called. Dead Silence. Is that it? Yes, sir. And then, uh, oh, I always forget the third one. What's the other one I like? Not Malignant, but I like that. No, I didn't like Malignant. Um, uh, I don't not like Aquaman either. I, I'm not a big fan of Aquaman. Um, oh, man, I could have swore there were three. One of the fast films. Did he do a fast film? Then, yeah, that's Pretty probably cool. it. Um, but, you know, um, I don't know. Like, I, I don't find a lot of his later stuff. I don't like Conjuring 2. I, uh, and, and obviously he didn't direct The Nun, but he's he's responsible for these movies that keep getting shoved into this universe with the Warrens. And <laughs> I don't like them um, pretty much collectively so far. But let's find out how I feel about The Nun 2. Because, yes, they did a sequel to that beloved film from 2018. Was that when Nun came out? I don't even remember. I believe um, it or not, it was, yeah. Uh, so let's get to the stats, folks. Um, this time it's directed by Michael Chavez, I'm assuming. Um, I hope it's not something else. Who He did something else that I think I like. He, uh, well, he's he's done The Curse of La Llorona, which oh, is I'm another wrong. Conjuring first film. He also did The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Uh, yeah, and he nope, also directed Billy Eilish, Bury Your Friends music video. So uh, he's only done three music videos. Oh. I think but I, I don't like any of his movies that I've seen um, <laughs> now that yeah. I say it. And uh, I didn't, I, I started to watch the curse of La Lorena on a plane and it, luckily we landed so I could stop. Um, so uh, Tysa Farmiga is, uh, Oh, I'm sorry. It's written by Ian Goldberg, Richard Nying and Akila Cooper. And I'm just, I definitely butchered that last name. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Not Cooper. The other one. And, Stars, Tysa Farmiga, uh, which, of course, we we clearly know there has to be a reason they would cast the sister of Vera Farmiga no. in a movie where her character set up the entire universe, but apparently still no. Still not clear if there's any actual reason for that casting outside of no. coincidence. Um, but she plays Irene, uh, not the titular nun, to be fair, but maybe? I don't know. Um, Jonas Bluquet? Bluquet? Bluquet. Blockette, aha. Uh, he plays he plays a character named Maurice, but in the first movie, uh, we don't know his name till the end. Um, they drag poor Storm Reed into this. Uh, she's in here. Um, Anna Popplewell. Uh, what? That IMDb just moved way too many spots. Um, way too many spots. Uh, well, then we got the the actress who plays the nun. Um, Bonnie Aarons, who I think is like suing for not getting paid enough. Um, I've seen this. I, <laughs> Look, sounds like Studios One One. I saw this story the other day. I'm I haven't I'm not clued up on uh, enough on it to really go into it. But I something to do with her likeness, or she's not being paid for 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 something uh, with her in these films. But she yeah. she is th- these films. <laughs> she is the face of the films. Yes, yeah. uh, and many of the uh, Conjuring, like what she shows up in, like two, right? Um, uh, yes, and, yeah, yeah, that's where she makes her debut. Yeah, uh, Caitlin Rose Downey is Sophie, um, and then I, I think we can. There's a lot of that's other kid yeah. actors, but that's that's probably sufficient. Um, most of them don't get a lot of screen time, or they're just bullies for thirty seconds. It's it's a whole bunch of stuff. Um, 
so that's the the gist of the stats the synopsis of the film in case you didn't know it's set in 1956 france uh because they all speak french they don't none of them um except the one guy's name is maurice um a priest is murdered yep uh and evil is spreading all right the sequel of, to the worldwide smash hit follows <laughs> Sister Irene as she once again comes face to face with Valak, the demon nun. <laughs> Ratings. Uh, so critics generally not enjoying this. 46% Rotten Tomato. Um, audience, I, I need you to calm down. Sit with a 75%. Be real. No. <laughs> it's No. It's not 75% of you that can like this movie. I, I do not fathom the how that's possible. Oh, yeah. 48% uh, 48 on meta uh, score. So again, critics not liking this 6.1 IMDb user score. I'm a little more accepting of, I, I can mm-hmm. deal with a six um, from a casual fan base. Uh, 2.5 letterbox. It's currently in theaters everywhere worldwide. I think wherever it's going to probably end up. Uh, this was a major big release and it did, I think pretty well at the box office this past weekend, uh, especially for a <laughs> September release. First film, I mean, we laugh at calling it a smash hit. The first film's budget, JB, was 22 million. It raked in 365 million worldwide, which by definition was a box office smash hit, but it was, it rhymed with smash hit, (laughs) how how it ended up, but it wasn't my favorite film of that year. Not even close for me, dude. I really wanted to leave the theater watching The Nun. I found it uh, very (laughs) boring at times, but also like so convoluted with its lore and it gets worse in the nun too as far as the the lore like there is way too much going on with the the lore or what's supposed to happen and i I get that in all horror movies there's some contrivances that things don't always make sense like why uh in the in the movie poltergeist why does the poltergeist decide to stack all the chairs it's scary but it doesn't really make sense. What is the end game for the poltergeist? Uh, do they just not like furniture? Like, what's the point? You know, we have that in tons of horror movies. When it's noticeable while you're watching it is when I feel like it's a problem. If you, okay. if you are oblivious to those contrivances because it feels like part of the film, like you're there and you don't really think about it till afterwards, then I think it's okay. But when it's blatantly, you're like, why? Why is the nun in the shape of a magazine rack right now? I don't understand what the nun's goal is. Uh, and I honestly, there's a, there's a MacGuffin in this movie that I still don't understand having seen the movie. I'm like, what was, why were they after that? It didn't seem oh, God, to make yeah. any sense. Um, and obviously this is spoiler free folks. So I won't get into the MacGuffin or how the story plays out or who's affected by it and anything like that. But I, I didn't, I didn't enjoy this movie yet i didn't hate it um i will say pulling back a little bit on my vitriol uh i i don't think a lot of it works i i think there's a lot of things i think there's too much going on um there's a lot of new characters introduced but also a lot of old characters and for a movie from five years ago that i didn't like in the first place not easy to remember all the details folks so if you haven't seen it since 2018 you might want to read a refresher uh because you will be lost um because I was like, wait, do I? Am I supposed to know who this guy is? There's a the opening shot for Maurice is a tracking shot, a very familiar looking shot, right? Where we're behind him, he's holding a watering can, and then it finally pans, and we see him. And I think now, having seen the film, we're supposed to be like, oh, there he is. But I wasn't like that because I'm like, who's that guy? I was no waiting way. for a character introduction. I was supposed to know him already. Literally, had never seen him before. That's how it felt. Clearly, I had. I saw the first movie, but looking at this guy, 
complete face blindness to this. I'm like, I don't know who that guy is. I've never seen him before in my life. And even my letterbox is like, oh, no, sir. You've seen him in like five other movies. I'm like, nope, that's not possible. Never seen this guy before. Um, But there he is. Uh, And, you know, um, I'm not a big fan of the the whole controverse thing. I wish it wasn't all interconnected. It doesn't feel like it's going to pay off in any way that's going to that's going to be meaningful. I I can't see where they're going with it. That's the thing. Like Mm -hmm. that was, you know, Marvel ruined film storytelling in a way by doing the connected okay scorsese you back up (laughs) well only because there's this this need uh that these other companies are trying to mimic it and they all seem to be missing what was essential to the first uh first 22 movies of the cinematic universe for mcu was that from the get-go ish they did have a and i'm going to use the phrase end game in mind For the, the franchise, I'm sure it wasn't from Iron Man, but like within the first five movies, they were already starting to like build their their end point. Like they knew they wanted to get to this big battle with Thanos and whether or not it was going to play out the way it was going to. They always had that in mind. And this new phase, they implied that they had it. I really am starting to question if they ever really had it because it doesn't feel as connective as the first one. Or maybe it's just the fact that it's just more of the same. Um, but I don't know that a lot of these other franchises have an end game in mind. It's like they're kind of winging it. Like we we're going to make movies, they're all connected. But why are they connected? Was there really a benefit for this connection other than cramming it in because it really doesn't feel like there's a benefit to it. Like because even if you want to go back to Annabelle, they tease Annabelle in the first Conjuring film. We see her in the museum. Mm-hmm. It kind of makes sense that we would get a movie, but it it doesn't have to be connected. We could just get Annabelle's story, right? Like we know Annabelle's in the museum. What is, how did, why did it end up in the museum? Don't worry about the Warren connection outside of that. You know what I'm saying? Like use that as a entry point, like um, spinoffs on TV, right? Like a show has a character on it. The character Mm -hmm. moves away and then we get a show with them. And most of the time they're terrible. Every once in a while it's worked. The Jeffersons, great Mm -hmm. example, right? Like they were on the, um, Archie Bunker show that I don't remember what that's called all in the family family, something like that. The Jeffersons were popping. So they're like, Hey, let's give them a show. Boom. Better show. I think, you know, like that's the stuff. So I'd be down for that, but this connective stuff, cause this movie doesn't feel like it's self-contained enough, but also that it's going to pay off that there is this connection that they keep teasing in the film. Mm-hmm. I, like who I don't, I don't understand. It feels real trite and really silly at times and uh they they introduce some ideas that really feel counter to the overall conjuring verse by the way that i can't talk about until we get to spoilers but where i'm like well this idea introduces a whole bunch of stuff that won't make sense in what we've seen from the supposedly true stories of the conjuring and conjuring two and three you know what i'm saying yeah um and it's like, you'll see that that's that's a bad decision. Then if you're introducing ideas that feel inherently fictional with real stuff, because it's like, well, what are you going for? What's the point? Because I, I think it changes the tone of the film in a way that doesn't mesh, or at least as a universe. Again, if this were a standalone film, do what you want to do, you know, blend it. But if you're trying to blend two kind of what feel like contra- contradictory ideas, I don't think it's going to work. Um I'm looking, uh, there's some, some gnarly scenes in this film, but nothing that I thought was like incredible or like, oh, 
there is a section towards the end again i gotta wait till spoilers to talk about a lot of the stuff that really bugged me but i'm just like what is this what is happening why are they doing this and um yeah i literally in my notes i have the word dumb with a period i don't have any <laughs> anything tell telling me specifically what what i am uh I'm going with with like what I'm calling dumb. I just wrote the word dumb. I felt the need to remind <laughs> myself to when we were talking later to say dumb. So folks, if you're wondering how I feel about the nun two, let's just summarize it with dumb. Matt, dumb. what did you think about the nun two? Um, right. So the nun two. I'm with you on the whole interconnectivity of it all. It doesn't it does not need to be. Uh, you don't need scenes to kind of wink and point point you in the direction of the next film that's coming out or the ones that have been before, other than maybe a passing reference to somebody's name or uh, something that happened, which one of the characters actually has a connection to. But I, I don't think you need to have such tight interconnectivity. Um, but... Here we are, like you say, Marvel has ruined cinema in that sense that we get everything's connected. We need to have post-credit scenes to explain what's going on or to uh, advertise the next film. But um, yeah, The Nun, the original, the, sorry, the first one, I didn't like it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that your enjoyment level was none because mine was almost none too um oh, i had to get the pun in somewhere uh so this one the nun two for the first similarly to fast x i think uh, and that's where the comparison comparison to these two films end really they're both bad but for the first half an hour i was like i was in danger of thinking i quite enjoy this I, there's nothing wrong with this in fact i like it i thought the intro i i actually like the introductory scene i like the fact that it just opened with a uh, no spoiler, but opens with a bang. I was like, okay, I, I dig it. It's yeah. it's it's sticking its flag in the sand and saying, uh, initially, I thought this is the tone we're going for. Okay, mm. fine. And then yep. not long after, one of the taboos of horror is broken involving kids. So, like, oh, right, right. Okay, Michael Chavez is taking us down this path. Maybe we're going to get some real actual vengeance here. But then to use a John Burkeism, the film doesn't follow its own logic and that this is a this is a supernatural film or horror film issue where you have a villain who could who could wipe out everybody with a wink and sometimes they do but sometimes they decide not to and it usually involves our main characters and i've got and that really does annoy me but they're in times where you're like oh this is it for the main there's no way they can get out of this and the next scene they're just found lying on the street like what, what? but you you killed some paper boy for less um I, I, that is something that really grinds my gears and this film is very very guilty of that and it's a shame because i think the nun the nun valak is a cool character i think, like, I think the concept is cool uh, and I, i've seen some commentators this week saying it's an iconic horror character i don't know if it is maybe it is now that she's been in two and a half films maybe she can if we can call out the clown one then maybe why can't we call the nun uh, I think like as a character as an image i think she's very iconic for contemporary horror yeah it's just a shame that the films she's been in haven't been particularly very good, which I don't think is the nun's fault. It's because when she's on screen, I, I like the presence that she brings. I like the, yeah. the darkness that she kind of, uh, that she delivers, but the character is underutilized and not in a jaws way yes. where we're holding the character back for the big, it's just, you, 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 you they'll have a tease and a wink and a nod there, but then it's undercut by something stupid, like a statue falling down, which just it, yeah there's a few moments in this jb because i i had the theater to myself and i hope <laughs> we had a 
big screen, screen six where I was, hundreds of seats, and it was just me. So I could, and I don't talk, but I could exclaim. And there was a few times, of course, we keep this family friendly, where I literally said, oh, off. Towards the end, I was like, just, <laughs> just don't. It, there was the, the, there's a moment with the MacGuffin where somebody touches it and it just lights up. I was like, oh, just, just don't. This is, yeah. uh, this is it. And Ugh. it's a shame because a bit like the Pope's Exorcist, which I will compare this to. I think I prefer that film. To this. Um, I prefer that film, but it it starts off quite well when when it's more of like an investigative type film or where we were setting the scenes and the scene for what's going on. That worked, and then with the Pope's Exorcist, similar to this, it just goes too wild at the end, too stupid, and it falls apart. Um, but and then, and again, I don't, I don't expect much from a film like this, and I don't mean to be negative, but I don't expect stunning dialogue. I know previously I've said I would like a script to be coherent, but I, there are genres or subgenres where you ex- you don't you know what to expect, but I do expect to get some characters to give a damn about, which is a shame because it's not a taste of meager or a Storm Reed issue, but I think they're both awful in this. And I've seen other commentators say they actually think they were really good and they provided a spark. I think they were both very, they were both at least average at best in this film. And a lot of that is because a lot of stuff they had to spew. But for, for example, mm-hmm. one Storm Reed's character uh, who goes by the name of Deborah, Sister Deborah, at one point she just says, she says to um, Irene, you need me. And then, yeah, uh, that never really ever pays off to the point of she probably didn't need you in this in it to go and do whatever they were needing to do. Obviously we'll get into that in spoilers, but so I thought the two main characters, they were vanilla. Whereas I mentioned Russell Crowe in the Pope's exorcist. He may not have been the best character ever, but he felt like one and I got his motivations. He felt a bit more one note. The sister Irene is so bland. It hurts almost in this film. Uh, and and that and that took a lot of a lot away from the film for me because even if, if that if the character had, had just a bit more flamboyance to them or a bit more uh, just something to cling on to, I would have got a lot more out of this film. But alas, I, I did like the production design. I think the film. I think the film looks good. I think the yeah. locations look good. And you mentioned the magazine set piece. I understand the motivations. Why the hell would the, the demon do that? Yeah. However, I did actually cool. like that idea like the whole i i didn't see the trailer i was i'll preface this now i haven't seen i didn't see the trailer before this i subsequently went to watch afterwards and most of it is in the trailer but so had i seen the magazine stand sequence in the trailer it wouldn't have hit well in the film however i liked it did it go on for a bit too long like the film maybe it went on for a beat or so too long but i liked the idea of it even if when you step back and look at it didn't really make much sense for the demon to do what they did um and then the aftermath of that plays into what i was saying about they just don't follow their own rules and it it, it becomes laughable at times um so yeah enjoyed the first half an hour I'm not gonna lie thought that was pretty good and then when we got to the location and we started fleshing out what was happening we started to see more from returning characters of which i had no idea who they were thanks yep. to jb for warning me in, in advance about that and the film tried to tell me who it was but once we got into that, I was like, the film started to lose me. Look, there are some cool moments still in between these mm-hmm. bits, and and it does involve our our nun friend. There's one bit which is pretty evil, actually, pretty evil, which involved the kind of the matriarch of the monastery, the boarding school that they're set. Oh in. yeah, she goes into uh, this chapel. I was like, you know, that 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 is a that's a nasty thing to do. 
but the film needed that and i do believe that michael chavez after the test screenings was the the audience told him it's not scary nothing happened so he went in and up those scares up the gore a bit more and whilst the film isn't scary i think it's more atmospheric than the first film i think this film is better than the first film whether yeah, that's a bar to hit or not i don't know um and and the kid actor in it uh, and I, I i think she's in yeah. a team caitlin rose downey she's fine and, and i'll tell you something yeah. jay she's got a proper horror scream like um like samara weaving has she's got a real scream for horror films and she's she good reminds in- me of the girl in ouija um the second yeah, yes ouija. yes ouija um, too born yeah, of evil the, or whatever it's called oh yeah um which is the better of the two it's from the my opinion, i actually it? never saw it yeah it is the planning um well, there you go yeah i think she's good well, in it and we don't we you know and we we don't like to we don't want to dump on young actors or kid actors but sometimes they they don't they aren't always the best as can no. be labeled adults but i think she's well, good in this I think the biggest problem with this movie is that they, I feel like they cram Irene and, and Deborah into the story. I yeah, think if you, her. you make, um, Papa well, the, uh, maybe she has some background or she's the one who fights the nun because it's after her daughter. Like th- these other two nuns that show up feel like it feels like franchise filmmaking. Like they need to cram these other characters in, yes, uh, yeah. And and it, it convolutes the story to a point where it's like, well, <laughs> we don't need that, though. You could just have this very basic story. You have Maurice there. There's your history. Mm. That's your tie into the first movie. But don't make him the main character. You know, make the new character and the young girl, Sophie, as the as you put everything on her because she can. I think she carries it. She's much more compelling than than uh, Marine Vanilla <laughs> Farmiga. Um, <laughs> you're right. Sorry, I was laughing because I, it's, it, I was just thinking about parts of the film. I mean, I, I will not spoil it, but the MacGuffin again, how they, <laughs> how they get to know where the location of this thing is and where it ends up being. I'm like, just, just don't just leave this whole thing alone. And also you mentioned connectivity with the farm eagers. There is a very, very, very big bit of connectivity. Very, it's blinking. You'll miss it, but there's a huge bit of connectivity, which explains why both farm eagers are in these films but it which is it retired to that MacGuffin. but i was just laughing to myself was because i was like if because what you're saying is dead on it are genuinely is i know we say we do we t- tend to agree with each other but because the the sisters again i'm not i'm, I'm dodging spoilers but our sisters irene and deborah they they you know they have to find this mcgovern and they have to go go around and find this mcgovern and it, and it ends up they end up where they end up and i'm thinking well if we just follow the, the burke route of just following popper well and sophie we could have cut out that entire search for that mcgovern because it ended up being convoluted eye-rolling predictable and lazy as well and that is the worst thing i can attribute to any film when it is lazy and this is a what a lot of the convolution of the storylines is it's just lazy beats lazy subplots which you can get rid of and i do think i i will say it get rid of irene and deborah for the most part i think the nun too actually with some of the atmospheric scenes it's got with some of the scares with some of the kills could actually have been a pretty decent film, a bit like Annabelle mm-hmm. Creation broke the mold a little well, bit with those films. This could I have been that. All the scenes you could have had that you are forcing us to like sit on the train with Irene and Deborah, or like go to their investigation. 
like those scenes could have been dedicated to <laughs> developing these new characters and developing the 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 horror of the demon nun and instead it's wasted on this superfluous story that ultimately yes it all ties in together but not in a way that's satisfying in a way that's predictable and kind of boring and that's yeah. where the movie really loses it yeah that that and that and that's the problem the film the film is trying like i said it's full of cliche it's full of convention guess what guys sound sound about sound the bell because it's coming it's too long because it is. Um, but there is, I do think there is a really good, well, okay. I do think there is a, a very solid film in here. And for that first half an hour, I, I will happily admit, because this is what we do on the bank. We're honest. I was enjoying, I was like, this is pretty good. This is a step up. I like where we're going. We, we, we've seen some pretty gnarly stuff. I, I like the direction, but it's when, when they start introducing too many characters, too many subplots, too many reasons for us to try and care, plus the overall MacGuffin, which is bloody awful, then it just it just falls apart under its own. It cannot maintain its own weight over the course of an hour and fifty minutes. And you know, there's there's only one film in history, you know, John John rolled his eyes that has ever said the word demon, and it just doesn't sound silly. And that is, of course, the greatest exorcism film ever. The, the, you got Father Marion saying the word demon smacks one side out and abuses it with so much weight. Karis too and even when Chris McNeil flippantly says oh you know what happens if she was possessed by a demon in this film they mention the word demon and try to make it sound so serious you have like you'll have a, a father talking to the nuns about the demon you know when it were the demon's powers and something guys stop mentioning the demon uh, there's a moment when one of the parent one of the character's mothers after about 15 minutes of absolute carnage happens she's like where's I won't say the name but where's my kid it's like you should have thought about that immediately. And then they keep saying things related to the MacGuffin, which I was like, this, mm. who wrote this and thought anybody could pull this off? It's it's Star yeah. Wars prequels all over again. You could get the best actors in the world, which they which they didn't maybe, but to say the dialogue and not one, nobody's selling this. Same here. You could get anybody in these roles and they cannot sell this dialogue. Problem is they're trying to sell it. They're trying to make this no serious weighty horror um and you can't because of what they're saying and how they're saying it and how they're directed to do so um good intro fell apart about halfway through for me still had some good scenes in that final half but it's too long like you said john i totally agree too many unnecessary subplots they focused on the wrong characters in their lust to connect things together It, it, it is Better than I thought it was going to be, based on my experiences with the nun. But I mean, how much more can you can you take out of this? I mean, I, I believe I believe the Conjuring: The Last Rites is the last film where the Warrens, uh, Fear of Farmiga, and Patrick Wilson will appear. I believe. Um, mm. In which case, fine. But if this film, when this film makes bank, because it's already sitting at nearly a hundred million dollars worldwide off a thirty-two million budget, it, are Warner Brothers going to think, yeah, let, let's call it a day? Will we get a Nun Three? Will we get more of these? John, can you see that being a real possibility? I mean, I, I feel like yes, it's it's a real possibility, especially Want because it's making money. Things, yeah, yeah, it's making money, and obviously the fans seem to enjoy it. I just the thing that irritates me about the 70% on RT audience <laughs> is like, 
there are such better horror movies, guys. Like, it's not like I know there are some critics who just pan the whole genre or write the genre off. And it's it's not that with me. Um, and I think that you go through like this year where there's been some tremendously great horror films. That's what upsets me is is like it's okay to, to, to like this isn't the worst movie. Like I'm not sitting here going, this is the worst film. I can't believe people will enjoy it. It's just like but it, it, it's so vanilla. It's so bland. It's so basic. And it, it misses on a lot of the, the swings that it does take. It, it strikes to me. Like, it's just it's, um, whiffs, I guess, is a better word. Yeah. And, and that's what's upsetting to me more is because, like, you see, like you said, the opening, if, that, if I didn't know what movie I was sitting in and I saw that opening, I'd be like, oh, what's going on? But I'm watching that opening going... Why are we doing this though? Why? Because that's not what this is going to be. These aren't like, I know Irene is in this freaking movie. You know, like I didn't yeah. know a lot about the movie though, from the trailers to be fair. Like I honestly, I like when Storm Reed showed up, I'm like, Oh really? We're getting a new character. And it's like, it's Storm Reed. All right, cool. But then no, it's not cool. And that's unfortunate because I like Storm Reed a lot. And Same. like, if you saw missing earlier this year, real good movie. She's a really good actress. This movie does not support that claim. No, she's great in The Last of Us as well when she when she appears in that. Oh very my god, good. yeah, she is. Yeah. Very impressed Anyways. by it. It's just not great here and it's frustrating no. because the, the, the when when they swung and try and gave us atmospheric and at times quite nasty horror, I thought, okay, and I'm not always a gore hand, I love horror, but I don't sometimes you do need to push the boundaries. And they started doing that here, but then they went back to their kind of, they went back to what they know and that's where the film suffered for me. Well, folks, that is our review of The Nun 2, um, Back in the Habit. Wait, that's different movie. Um, <laughs> but we uh, we are not recommending it, um, I think is, it seems fair to say, right? I want to because it shows glimpses, but I can't. No, I can't. Yeah, again, there. it's not to say that, you know, this is the worst movie by any means, but it just does not does not l- deliver and a lot of the things that it tries um that's it for our review we will have a spoiler mini so dropping a couple days where we'll talk about some of the details that really irritated me um because that seems to be when i vent the most when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. But for now, let's move into chuffed headlines. These are movie and pop culture news uh, that caught our attention Matt, what headline grabbed you this week? Uh, this is one that has been kind of grinding my gears lately or for the last few years. Not necessarily the headline, but what it represents. The headline, this is from Screen Rant, written by Nathan Graham Lowry. 
Headline reads, Disney releases the Little Mermaid Disney Plus viewership data, reveals it's one of 2023's biggest hits. It then goes on to say the Little Mermaid has swam, uh, on, it's worse than me, swam onto Disney Plus and earned one of the streamer's best movie debuts, despite its mixed box office performance over the summer. So what we're getting here is we're being told that the Little Mermaid, which is in the top 10 films of the year in terms of gross. It made just shy or just north 500 million, I believe. Um, we're being told now, actually, it's one of the film's biggest hits, uh, year's biggest hits because of its performance on Disney+. And the source is Disney. So Disney are telling us that their film that they released on their streaming is doing really well, guys. So go and watch it on their streaming service. And the reason I picked this one is firstly, because I don't believe that for a second. And secondly, it comes in the wake of where there were, where we have now, uh, we are now living in the WGA SAG after strike territory guys pay your workers fairly. We haven't got studios have to come out of new ways to market their films or to, advertise what they've got so recently uh, when a star wars ahsoka came out there were uh high headlines and articles going wild that samba the um the company in the united states that uh, aggregates data was saying you know oh man only 1.2 million people watch this show which was highly misleading because that was based on i think we worked it out as only three percent of america is uh captured by samba and only three percent of that three percent was captured within this thing so it was not in any way a blanket statement but they were coming out saying that nobody's essentially man this has had a lower viewership than andor and stuff what's what's happening and blah 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 blah. then out of nowhere lucasfilm and disney did the unprecedented thing of actually releasing an official statement on the website saying ahsoka i think it's actually the same figure ahsoka opened to 16 million or 14 million views over its first weekend and they they their views are kind of like total views divided by minutes watched or something like that so they took the un the unprecedented step for any real for really for most streamers to come out and say this is how many people watched our product because we can see by a box office how well a film does but historically yeah. since netflix and amazon and all that have really set sail we don't know how well these films do we are only told yeah. by netflix that the next adam sandler film was the biggest film of the year because it got six billion hits in the first couple of weeks which then ain't happening in any dimension but um so so streamers streaming servers have always been very coy about releasing the data and i have no idea why so when it comes to something like this or even the the ahsoka announcement i take it with a bit of a pinch of salt even though the numbers look good I think the Ahsoka one was very much a is very much a direct reaction, a direct response to the the sites and the trades running the this has only had a million views, nobody's watching it. That was very reactionary and on on our on Star Wars sessions, the show I host over here, I I actually said, you know, I for once I applaud Disney for actually coming out, if it's true, and saying, No, you you guys are spreading fake news. We're gonna put it straight. We're go- we are going to pull rank. We are going to use our power and muscle to tell you all that this show isn't, in fact, a failure. But this Little Mermaid one, though, this one seemed to come more out of nowhere. It was it was dropped uh, yesterday. So it dropped at beginning, pretty much the beginning of the week, beginning eleventh uh, of September, and it, it pretty much doesn't really say anything other than what the headline says. Disney faced multiple high-profile struggles at the box office. Little Mermaid had a tumultuous run at the box office for many reasons. Um, 
but now it's saying that well now it's on home video it's it's getting new legs for <laughs> excuse the film related pun now i don't doubt that the little mermaid is getting views on disney plus whether it's people like intrigue views or people re-watching it or people who couldn't afford to go to the cinema because as we always say it isn't cheap to take a family and this is very much a family film so i don't doubt that maybe it is getting high numbers it's definitely it just seems that you know, just to come out and say you know 16 million is one of the films one of the year's biggest hits that to me smacks a little bit of a, a studio panicking in the wake that we, we can't promote our film. We cannot get our cast to promote these. We have to find new ways to get people to watch. So let's say this. Now, listen, I'm pretty, I'm sure these numbers are auditable and maybe it is very, very true. But it, the discussion was more about why aren't we seeing streaming services do this more? Why is there not a call or a need or even a mandate for streamers to release their figures? We, you know, home video, we that used to be a huge revenue source for uh films and releases back in the 80s and 90s home video and rental and we'd, we'd be and, and we'd be able to see how much money they made from those sources we don't know how many they make from streaming maybe that's also because they want to cover up how much residuals they're not paying but the question mm. obviously here though jp is firstly you you see this i'm a little bit more skeptical on the numbers itself but the headline says 16 million people watch this and it's one of the biggest hits of the year but the, the other question around around it i wanted to hear your thoughts on is should streaming uh, companies really re- release their data more regularly so we have more transparency? Should that become a thing like we get box office numbers? Um, I mean, I think transparency is, is a good thing, especially because of the writer strike and the actor strike right now that they don't really know the residual situation. Partly, you, you just alluded to that. I think that's a reason why we should have access to those numbers. Um but uh, I, I also wish, though, that we would we would reevaluate our definition of a success or a, a hit. Right. Um, because people just like, let's say Jurassic World Dominion. Right. I don't know how much money it made last year, but it made a decent amount of money. And, yeah, that was last year. Uh, listeners, that that movie doesn't exist. But I don't think anyone who saw it would argue. OK. I'll be a less less hyper, hyperbolic for a second. I think most people would argue that's not a good movie, but mm-hmm. it made okay. a lot of money. And studios seem to have this narrow mind of only looking at that. And then the point being that if you're only weighing it based on the numbers and not what people have now seen and are saying about it, because just because the amount of people who have suddenly seen Little Mermaid has increased because of availability, right? doesn't mean it's a good movie or a bad movie if no one is watching it, even if it's on streaming, because sometimes streaming services bury incredible films, right? Like we should be looking at it from all perspectives. The more people who see something, the more opinions we're going to get to hear. Right. And so I want movies to make box office and I want movies that are on streaming services to get views because it increases the, the conversation about those films. But I wish studio execs would listen to the conversation about those films. And again, I wish audiences, general audiences, not, you know, not necessarily people like us who obsess over and have studied over, but would, would be a little more like vocal about maybe a little more deliberate about how good or bad something is like the nun having a 74% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't think really sets the tone for what that movie really is. Are there going to be people who really enjoy that movie? Yes. 
Um, there are people who really enjoy eating a McDonald's hamburger, but there are people who've had hamburgers from all types of restaurants and all different types of places and know there's a difference of quality from a McDonald's, you know, made in 30 seconds cheeseburger and one that's been, you know, treated with a level of respect and love that you just won't get at a fast food establishment, regardless of the, the brand. And you can enjoy both happily. And you can enjoy both. And that's, that's more what I'm saying. Like, it's okay to like the nun, even if we didn't for sure. The, mov the movies exist for a wide variety of audiences, but what I'm for is those audiences getting the opportunity to see it. And like you said, taking a family of five to the movie theater is a hundred dollars just to get tickets. Yeah. And then having to t tell them to, sorry, we can't get popcorn because we just spent a hundred dollars on tickets, but then, you know, ending up needing to, okay, fine, we'll get popcorn because we're at a movie theater and that's what we do. It's not easy for everyone to do, especially right now. So, and if yeah. the film's bad, you've just wasted a hundred dollars already. Right. There's, or if, if you don't know if what it's going to be like, you're taking a punt. Yeah. And if there's 30 movies that come out this summer and you can only go once, you're going to have to be very selective where, especially if you know, well, we always have Disney plus because Disney plus has all of the shows my kid likes, or it has all the Marvel movies or it has the star Wars show. So I'm keeping that subscription. If I wait long enough, little mermaid will show up. Um, and I think we should take that into consideration. A movie's success should not solely exist in, uh, in box office. And we call a lot of films that, have a life after box office cult films like Scott Pilgrim versus the world notoriously did bad in theaters, but has a huge following of fans now, you know, over 10 years later, but um, we've always had that, you know, like movies that don't get the, the distribution numbers or didn't have the, the, the mass audience appeal um, don't maybe just didn't have a theatrical run big enough. We know that. And it's, and, and yet these executives and these people, they act like, we don't know that, right? Like that it's, it's a mystery. Like, Oh, people watch movies at home. Yes. Since you made VHSs or Betamax, we've watched movies at home and we watch them in droves, you know? So yeah, streaming is going to have more numbers because a lot more people have access, but, and again, it's, it's a lot less $9 for a thousand movies versus $9 a person to see one movie. A lot of people are going to opt to wait for streaming. So yeah, reveal the numbers so that we can, see that a movie does you know and again though I, I will point out just because a bunch of people watch it doesn't make it good yeah yeah and that's not commentary necessarily on the little mermaid and i wouldn't want to put no. words in your mouth either but uh, and i hope people do uh go to watch little mermaid for a variety of reasons and give it whether i thought i thought it was pretty middling i thought Halle bailey was was fun in it but yeah the film itself was was fine uh but yeah, like like you say, if, if you what do you do? You pay a hundred bucks just to get in, and then potentially another fifty on concessions, or maybe thirty or forty on concessions on a film which it may or may not work. It might not, in, you know, all your kids might not enjoy it. Or do you wait two months, watch it on Disney Plus for the cost of your subscription, and then it, whoever doesn't like it can dip out. It's an easy decision to make. Really, it really, really is an easy, easy decision to make. You you choose the latter. And that's one of the problems with streaming. It's convenient, but same time. But yeah, I'm with you, JB. Release the numbers. Let's let, let's make that a competitive thing now. Let's look at box office numbers and streaming figures, uh, and and make it more of a conversation. But uh, yeah, I was just interested in your thoughts on that. Um, I haven't seen what you've gone for, JB, and I still haven't seen. So I'm looking forward to oh. what you this week. So 
I, I was a slacker listeners and I, I forgot to read an article ahead of time, but earlier today, um, I had an email from a 24 and, uh, not like to me, but it was just like, you know, I'm on their mailing list. Um, they weren't like, Hey Burke, uh, but, um, talk to me is, uh, available now on digital, but more importantly, it is getting a Blu-ray release, which I'm all for physical media. So I was excited to see this. It's going to get a, uh, 4k Blu-ray digital combo on October 3rd. So it's getting a full on release. Um, I know a lot of people, like we were just saying with theaters, not everyone made it to the theater to see, um, talk to me. And I really liked it a lot. A lot of people really liked it a lot. Not everybody. Um, but it, it's, a little more of a traditional horror film, especially considering that it's got the A24 label. It's not, I would not call it elevated horror, but I would call it atmospheric as anything and some really good performances. Um, I saw it twice and I, I definitely think I'm going to add this to my collection. Uh, so I was excited to see it's getting a Blu-ray release. Um, there's some really cool merch cause you can actually get the hand. Uh, if like yeah. there's a lamp, I think. And I'm like, man, I, I don't know if I've ever wanted anything from a horror movie as badly as I want that stupid hand. Um, but uh, I'm very hyped. The, the the freaking cover for it's really cool too. Actually, there's two different covers in the the article that is linked in the show notes. Um, Matt, are you thinking of picking up? Talk to me. I didn't even need you to talk to me to tell me that. Yeah, damn right I am. Um, I thought talk to me was great. I think without checking and for the benefit of time, I, I'll just guess. But I'm pretty sure it is still my number one horror film of the year. I could be mistaken there. Uh, but it's certain if it's not number one, it's in the top three of the year. Um, I too got that email. It's coming to Blu-ray on October the 3rd. And I looked at the official talk to me party hand as it's been called. And it was, I think it's $110. I'm not not sure I can part of a hundred pounds for it, but it would certainly be a talking point at the parties I don't have. Uh, so I'd love to maybe touch the hand, you know, maybe pretend to set off some smoke bombs and think something's going on. But, um, I love that A24 does this. It, I love A24. Firstly, they've agreed to the SAG after WDA demands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or demands or requests, should we call them. And they're getting on because they're a studio who just, get, who just wants to make films. And I love that they do this. They did it with everything everywhere all at once when they also released the hot dog fingers. You can get the gloves. Yeah. The hot dog. Uh, they, they went very quickly, so they released another batch. And now we've talked to me, they're releasing a the hand. I love that they're doing this and almost making it these kind of collectibles, these limited edition type things, which you can only get for a certain period. But I like that they're almost like eventizing their releases. It's not just, you know, here's here's our new film on Blu-ray, buy it, let's move on to the next one. They're making something from it. And of course, we're getting Talk To Me, which, Talk To Me, which I guess will be Talk To Me, I don't know, the sequel. But yeah, man, uh, I will absolutely be picking this up. Man, I'll talk about the first a few weeks time i remember when we had to wait months and months like half a year if not longer for the physical release and now it's just around the corner i have a friend that lives in germany um now and uh they only had talked to me playing with german dub but no no english subtitles um and so she's been like losing her mind because she really really wants to see it and i was just like i'm hoping that the blu-ray is gonna you know be out there at the same date uh because she's been waiting to see it and um i don't know if i'm gonna have to like like figure out a way to ship it to her or something so she can watch it with the English, uh, the actual, yeah, but she's a big fan of horror and is really, really wanting to see this. Um, and I feel bad. It's gotta be torture. Like it's like literally playing 
right there. I could walk to it, but I won't understand any of the words. I, I even I gave her the option. I was like, I know it's it's against the law to FaceTime during a movie, but would you like me to like just kind of walk you through what happened? I've seen it twice. Like I probably know enough. I can't give you a word for word dialogue, but I can tell you. Oh yeah, he, she's talking about her mom right here. Like <laughs> you. Know, um, what a, what she a man. Me up on it. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So. Uh, listeners, if you are excited like we are, uh, get ready to pick up your copy of Talk to Me on October 3rd. Um, you know, we're not paid to say that. I want that to be clear. This was just, this was an article and I was like, cool, I, I'm hyped for this movie. I, I don't, I know a lot of people are aware of it, but it's still an indie film in my eyes. So I, I like to keep spreading awareness about it. If you like horror and you didn't see it, get ready. It's going to be available. And again, you can rent it right now. In fact, it's on digital. So, um, oh, I should tell her that instead. But um, yeah, that's our headlines for the week let's focus in on what we've been consuming matt i need to know sir um what movies tv video games music podcasts have you been consuming since the last time we recorded talk to me bud Uh oh here we go not many jp actually uh and there is reason for that um partly because i had my daughter for an extra day this week so that was the day where i'd usually go to uh, that was a friday when i'd usually go to the cinema to either watch this week's BAMP film or something else if I know I'm going to watch it later on. But so I didn't do that um, for good reason. I'll mention that later on. But uh, instead, I uh, have been reading this week, JB. Uh, you know me, I love to read Star Wars books or listen to the audio books. Uh, and this week I've been reading one called From a Certain Point of View, Return of the Jedi. And this is, as that film was the final part of the original trilogy of films, this is the final part of an anthology trilogy of books of which i very much enjoyed basically every film in the ot so star wars the empire strikes back and jedi have uh, had an edition of this anthology released where it's celebrating the 40th anniversary of the release of the film so in each book there are 40 short stories by 40 different authors told from the point of view of secondary characters background characters sometimes new characters but all within the context of the film so for example the first one a new hope would have you know one of the one of the one of the aliens in the cantina would be doing their bit and you find out about them and what where they've come and what they're doing but at the same time across the cantina greedo has just been shot by han solo and kind of the reaction to that and or there'll be one of the pilots in the trench run at the end like what's their story what was the trench run like from their perspective especially because most of them died uh, and stuff like that and i've really 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 kind of it's all canon it all counts to the main line but we're not t- telling luke skywalker's or han or leia's story it's about the other characters from a certain point of view uh so what i think it's a really really cool initiative and every sale of every book goes towards a charity in the united states which gives books and stationaries to underprivileged children which is obviously a fantastic uh drive and initiative and the, and the books have done very well uh, so the first one was 2017 for 1977, 40 years. Second one was 2020 for the 40th of Empire. Now, after six years, we have the final one. So I've basically been reading 40 short stories over the last few days, mixed in with some audiobook re- uh, listening as well. Uh, I, I, and I'm not going to give a review of the book, but so that will come out on the session's website. But I, I really liked the very first one of A New Hope. The Empire one I thought was really strong. And this one I liked, didn't love it. It was probably the weakest of the three, despite having some of the best stories in it, like Anakin when, when he dies at the end of Jedi, spoiler. 
and he becomes one with the force. What was that like when he finally reunites with Obi-Wan mm. and that kind of stuff? Very, very cool. Uh, but there's stories wow. that if, if you don't know, then it doesn't matter. And that's how the canon should work for me, that they should supplement the main live action stuff in the in a way that if you read these books, it can add flavor to what you see on screen. But if you don't, you're not missing anything. That's how they should work. And I think these books do a great job. It was a very satisfying ending that I, it wasn't the kind of like the blockbuster I thought it was going to be. So that's what I've been, I've basically been reading that for a long time uh, in the in between work, between um, hanging out with my kid uh, been reading that so i've only watched one film this week jb but goddamn was it a doozy we said we said off air about sometimes when you're running out of time and you haven't got time but you want to watch something i don't want to start a, i don't want to commit to a series because it takes too long even though there's some i really want to watch like the bear um so i sat you down should. i know i really want to and i watched aliens which actually weird enough i know is gonna kind of tie into something you mentioned you're going to talk about but um yeah aliens obviously the sequel the uh 86 film i who doesn't love aliens i mean come on come on so i was like, i want to watch that um why didn't you put her in charge man game over man i can't do the voice but with the, the hero is called hudson why wouldn't you want to watch it alongside ripley uh yeah nothing to say about aliens other than it, it's fantastic we all know that and i said like, you know what i want to watch so much where i know what happens i can cheer i can i can holler at the at the big lines, get away from her, you so and so aliens. Uh, and then I listened to I listened to one podcast this week, and it's one I've never heard before. I'd heard of it. Uh, I think I follow them on X. I think uh, it's called All the Right Movies. It's a British film podcast uh, hosted by four guys from up north. So they've all got funny accents. I'm sure the northerners won't mind me saying that. Um, but it, it came up on my Spotify almost like a recommended for you because uh, they were talking about Ghostbusters from 1984. And I was like, oh, it's two hours long. I've never heard of these guys other than following them, but I've never heard them. So it could be awful for all I know. Uh, But I very much enjoyed it. There's four guys talking about how much they loved Ghostbusters. They were, you know, critical at times of some of the effects and all that, but how much they loved Ghostbusters and why and the characters. And they apparently apparently pride themselves on every fact that they mention or every film bit of trivia has been backed up by three veritable sources whether that's somebody in the film or the cast or the crew or like an actual legitimate source there's no like bs thrown and i was like you know i dig that it could be i I dig the research and the confidence in knowing that what i'm being told here about the behind the scenes is you know it it is true um so yeah i really i quite enjoyed that and it made me want to go back and watch ghostbusters again but i've decided that for the time being uh, i'm going to save it i'm going to watch it towards halloween with my kid she's seven she loves the idea of Ghostbusters. She's met the Ghostbusters, you know, the Ghostbusters. Um, she's even got her own Ghostbusters name badge. The uh, like the what's it called? The thing you iron on. She's got that oh, out yeah. there. Um, so she likes the idea of Ghostbusters, and I know she's watched a few of the, the YouTube things, but I haven't actually shown her the film yet. Cause I was like, I wonder if it's going to be too scary for her. But I thought, you know what? She's ready. Let's watch it at Halloween. Let's have some fun because it is a fun film. It's got some great horror moments. Again, not going to review Ghostbusters. They, when they decide to lean into horror, it, it, I remember as a kid, I was a bit freaked out by some of the terror dog stuff, but got to learn. You got to, you got to, you got to, you got to give them a backbone somehow, I guess. But so I'm, I'm going to save Ghostbusters for closer to Halloween. I'm going to watch it with my kid and hopefully she digs it as much as I did as a kid and still do now. But yeah, so not really very much, JB. I've just been busy with with work and just doing stuff to uh, not be able to watch films, and I've also been rearranging my 
geeky area in the room I'm in at the minute. Um, putting my Blu-rays into a fo- into a folder, uh, not quite as organised as you, though. I'd let you explain that whenever you want to. But um, so I've actually been do- I've just been renovating and chilling out and being busy with my kid and reading. So I wanted to watch more movies, but. Uh, alas, not as many as I wanted to. What I will say, sorry, to, before I move over to you, is I, mean, I did text you this because I want to throw this out there. When I watched The Nun 2, mm-hmm. and all by myself, um, the uh, there was, cause this is the weird thing, when we were watching the trailers, there were people in there, but then they buggered off. They, they left oh. when the trailers had finished. So I don't know if they're waiting to see certain trailers. Cause I remember texting you this. And, and I'm aware that at the beginning of the show, I said I was the only one because I was. But at the beginning, there was a few people there. They're talking away, yeah. fine, whatever. The Sorex trailer comes on. Yeah, they're watching it. People are talking away. And even I, I was watching like, this is, this looks awful, but it might be good. And then, 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 the, and then the Exorcist Believer trailer came on. You see the shot of the room and that. And when people saw, when Ellen Burson came on and you got that pan shot where we then see the little girl on the bed eating the Bible pages for some reason, um, they all shut up and they just watched and they were in when they realized what this was, they were in and they didn't say anything during it. They were just in. And I remember texting JP. I was like, you know, that's, that's pretty cool actually, because I'm, I, I have my thoughts on whether the film's going to be any good. And so does the internet, but sitting in a theater with people who were there, who I thought were there to watch the nun too. I think they must've just snuck in. Um, but when this trailer came, when they stopped, they watched it. There was no laughing, giggling or, jeering it was just in i was like you know what that's very cool it made my horror loving heart quite happy and then (laughs) a couple of minutes not long before the film started when we were getting to like the pepsi max adverts they just left see you later a whole row of uh people who obviously just gone to watch another film thought they'd come and sit down and watch this one and didn't but yeah i just thought it was very cool that that trailer came on and it it's the second one the second trailer that seemed to grip people enough that they shut up and watched it hopefully a good sign but um other than that groundbreaking bit of news jb it's been a pretty weak uh quite a week on the media consumption but i'm sure you're gonna have enough to tide us over yeah i'm gonna not talk quite as long with the movies because i have a lot but um the blank check started uh their new director series we just finished uh listeners of the show blankies as we call ourselves um just finished with the park chan wook uh series and now we're jumping right in to david fincher um and i mentioned this last week because this is the first time in a while where i don't have any gaps to watch i've seen all of his movies um but i might rewatch the game for next week because i haven't seen the game since like high school Um, and uh but alien 3 which i also probably could revisit i've only seen it once i think but i i liked alien 3 i appreciate it more and more when i watch it yeah like I, I prefer Alien to Aliens. Like, I like Aliens. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. Don't come uh, at me. That's the, that's the debate, isn't it? Who prefers what? But they're it both is, great. I, I like the tone of the first one a lot more. I prefer the horror elements to the action yeah. elements of the second film. Not that, again, I think the second film's great. Um, mm-hmm. The third film pulls back a little bit, and it, it it's definitely doing different stuff than the first film, but it's it's more in... It's more in, like that, yeah. Yeah, it's more in that kind of vibe. Um, and there's some iconic stuff in the third film, um, I, I hate resurrection though. Like, I think that movie is preposterously stupid. Um, this is awful. Yeah. But, um, so on the Patreon though, instead of doing commentary, which is usually what they do, uh, they did a special episode for AVP and AVP Requiem, um, because oh, oh. they, they've covered all of the alien films already on the Patreon. 
Um, we did, they did commentary on them a while back uh, because they did James Cameron a while back on the, the main feed. So we already had covered aliens. So okay. like, they're like, well, let's, let's do AVP and AVP uh, Requiem just a like review episode so that they've knocked out every movie that has an alien in it. Cause they, they did, I think Prometheus and um, Covenant, Covenant in that alien series, but they skipped AVP cause they're not canonical to either. I don't think, I don't think they're canonical no, no, no. to, yeah, so they're just like these spinoffs. Um, it was a funny episode uh, because Ben has never seen either. Ben is the producer, but also um, th- these are more his vibe. He's not like he's become a bigger movie person over the years, but he's definitely more of like a casual movie fan who yeah. is the producer of the podcast about with two film nerds, um, essentially <laughs> one legitimate film critic and one who's become a legitimate film critic. And so it was a really, really funny episode uh, hearing them kind of explaining these movies and, and remembering how bad they actually are. Um, the first one my, isn't as bad. It's got some cool no, ideas. It's not. The, one the first one fails tank. to me with uh, the same thing that happens with the Transformers films. It's like, we're here to see the Transformers. Um, yes. I was there to see aliens fighting predators. Yep. Or the other way around. I was here to see predators fighting aliens. I didn't need the human aspect of that film at all that was i haven't seen it since it came out like i saw it in at a, the first time i ever went to an alamo draft house um was oh, to no. see avp uh and i i was so frustrated because i'm like i just want to see the predator kill the aliens and or aliens kill the predator um i don't That's literally the title of the film they go they go to some like ruins i think they're like antarctica yeah. or something and yeah they, they give some background law which is cool but mm-hmm. yeah and, and just- honestly uh, the, there's the, those two characters are just so cool. That's why I'm there. Like I, I'm still, it's still better than it, not. Uh, but you know, it's it's rough. Um, my film selection. I'm gonna bounce around a little bit. Uh, I went. Um, my daughter and I went to see Bottoms. Um, we we had to drive about 40 minutes to see it, but I was super stoked that our uh, one theater got it. Um, we went early, like a five o'clock showing, and it was weird because, like, it was a Friday night, five o'clock showing, but like the theater was completely dead at five o'clock. When we left the movie, a lot more people were in the uh, out there. It's a big multiplex, so I don't know if any of them were actually going to see Bottoms. There was one other person with us in our our screening for it, and uh, about thirty minutes in, something went wrong with the sound. Where at mm. first. I thought it was a director's choice that I couldn't understand because, but it sounded like I thought maybe like they were uh, trying to express like that they were in their own head too much and they weren't really hearing like the world around them. Like everything <laughs> felt echoey and then it kept going. I was like, Oh, I don't think this is a choice. I think something has gone wrong with the sounds. So, like I ran out to the, the mate, the manager and they went in and it took about 30 more minutes before it finally fixed. Um, so for about 30 minutes of the movie, the middle of the film, it sounded like they were talking into cans, uh, which wasn't terrible, but it definitely was like, uh, we should be hearing a lot clearer the, the dialogue. Uh, but regardless, it didn't affect our opinion of the film. We both really enjoyed it. Super funny. Um, it was more um, absurdist than I was expecting uh, when I went into it. I didn't realize how over the top the setup and the world was going to be, but not in a bad way. I just was expecting a more traditional like American Pie type uh, teen sex comedy. And it, it's a little more s- satirical than I was anticipating, which is a good thing. I think it's it's a, has a lot more to say than maybe American Pie ever did. Um, <laughs> I liked it enough. And also Rachel Sinoit, is that how you say her name? Uh, Rich Senna, Senno, Senno. So I know who you mean. Yeah. Uh, she's in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies as well. Um, I had not seen the directors or her uh, previous uh, collaboration, Shiva Baby, 
Um, and that's on HBO, or I'm sorry, it's on Max, the one you watch for HBO. Um, and so I caught that because it's only like 90 minutes too. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Matt, it's less than that. I think it's 60 minutes. Um, My kind of film. And so I uh, caught that um, on HBO, and I also really liked it. Uh, someone on Letterboxd called it Uncut Gems for like hot girls. Um <laughs> and uh yes it's so anxiety inducing um her performance is phenomenal it's very much her performance too because it is like the camera's almost exclusively with her throughout the film um really tight really tense super still funny though still funny uh but but much more serious than bottoms but i i think both movies are really good filmmaker i wish i could remember her name but it's not coming to me very uh promising career she's showing that she has a lot of talent with the camera and also uh, something to say. She has a point to get across. Nice. Now, I have... Uh, the other night, I was just scrolling through, I think, Hulu. Looking for something easy to throw on in the background. And I have been meaning to watch Real Steel for a long time. Um, uh, when it first came out, I wrote it off as nonsense. I was just like, whatever. Okay. Lame. And then I heard people like, no, it's actually pretty good. And um, I, I still, I have some major boxing movie gaps. Like I still haven't watched Southpaw, which I love Jake Gyllenhaal. So I don't know what yeah, I'm waiting on. Cool. I should probably make an effort to watch that. Um, but I, I tend to like boxing movies. Uh, the, the simple, it, it's such an easy conflict to write to, you know, it's, it's person versus person. Boom. What do you got? Um, and I was kind of impressed with real steel. Um, not only is Jackman great, the kid's actually really good in it. Yeah. Uh, I think Evangeline Lilly, it's one of her better, like she's very much in the background, but I, I really li- liked her performance in it. Um, not that I don't like, I like, I'm a big lost fan. So I, I liked her a lot in lost. Um, and I like her in the wasp, uh, role, but I thought just here, I wish, I wish her character would have got some more time, but, um, there, there is one thing that I really like about real steel. That shocked me is early in the film. We see Jack would make a, a deal with the, um, I guess the uncle of the kid where like you pay me, I'll take him for the summer kind of thing. And you're like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, this is going to be the predictable movie where they'll, he'll start to get along with the kid. will find out that he like took money to, to be with him and then he'll get mad and they'll have a fight. And in the movie immediately is like, no, the kid knows from the get go that he took money to be with him. And you don't have to worry about that being the reason they don't get along later in the film. I was like, Oh, yep, well, how great enough. is that? I actually really appreciate that. Like, yeah, it, it seems so trite and like tropish. And then they're like, no, no, no. It's not that. I'm like, oh, oh, okay, cool. Um, I had a blast with the movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, the visuals are gone. strong. What is it? Fighting robots. Come on. Yeah, yeah. And but, but in a way that has like character and like actual like stakes at times. Yeah, I hate the poster for this film. I'll say that. Like the, I, I, mm. it looks cheap as hell. But which is what would actually yeah. have put me off watching it. But then when you look at who's in it and what it's about, there is an intrigue there. And I didn't mind real still, you know, you know, you know, I'll have a boxing film specifically. And I thought real, real still was pretty good. It's, it's fine. Yeah. I think it's, it's quite, it's very, it's, I mean, it's a popcorn movie for sure. Like I'm not sitting here like it, uh, this is changed my view on, on cinema, but no, I, I, I think it's something that I initially wrote off and I, I'm glad I finally went to it. I, I think it's much better than I gave, uh, credit to initially again with no, unfair i had no reason to not give it a chance but i definitely didn't um so i'm glad that i did um um, i have a review up of my big fat greek wedding three um didn't need to happen end of story uh it's it's unnecessary yeah it's very very 
choppy in its storytelling. Uh, yet it's still there's something charming about it. But um, yeah, overall I thought not not great. Um, then Matt, uh, in preparation for next month, I've seen every Saw film but six and seven. Well, they're the best ones, John. Um, so I, I own the original seven, um, like not the movies. I also own the original movie seven, but I mean, I own the original seven saw films. I don't think I own jigsaw or spiral unless regal gave them to me for free. I don't remember if, if I got no, those as digital copies. I feel like I did. I feel like those were the lion gate specials at, at some point, but, um, I, uh, uh, David Sims from blank check was talking about the, the saw. In fact, at the beginning of the AVP episode, uh, bonus episode, it, it sounds like it's a saw episode because he's talking about watching all the movies because he'd never seen any of them <laughs> except for the first one. Oh, that's the other James Wan movie. I like, I like saw. Saw man. That's not the, the one that broke him out as well. Yeah. And oh, for me, man. I was like, saw blew me away when I saw it in the theater in 04. Like I was just like, what? This is it incredible. Point in culture yeah around yeah, here it, it didn't age well like i don't think it's nearly as intelligent as i thought it was in 2004 but at the time it was really impressive um so i saw i was really into the franchise for the first like four i think five i can't remember which one has the pigs in it but that one's where i started oh. to like Ooh, this is too much for me i don't think i can handle this anymore and i i, I didn't bother with six and i didn't bother with seven i also yeah. i don't think the the person they put in the lead in in three i think is when he shows up um i think he's boring as hell uh and he doesn't get better uh so six and seven i watched last night um i gotta say i think they're bad but i i (laughs) I enjoyed watching both of them so much so i was only planning on watching six last night and they're only 90 minutes long each and i i I finished and it was like it was just nine o'clock i'm like I'm going to go ahead and watch the other one i just want to knock them out i want to like let's be done with this i threw it immediately on i went right from six into seven seven is extra bad and i had I, i'm watching the beginning because it opens with a scene that never is explained which is i think the only time in the franchise where we see a game that has no explanation or tie into the major the main plot of the the, the movie at all it's just like it's the most public game too because they're like on a glass display where like there's a, a literal crowd um it is the most it's in this for the 3d movie scene that ah, it could have been and i really I'm don't watching, remember this one at all well, Dude, so it's it's called Saw the Final Chapter now, but it was originally Saw 3D, but they stopped calling it that because it's not in 3D unless yep. you have a 3D TV. Um, so it's just the final chapter. But the blood in the opening sequence is so pink that <laughs> for, while I'm watching it, I'm like, wait, is this like, are people um, pretending? I thought maybe like they were like a theater troupe pretending to be like, the you know, oh, it's a Saw game, but then it's like not. And it's not that. It's pink. Because when you wore the real, the real D glasses, it darkens the screen. So like with the glasses on, it would look like blood apparently. But when you don't have the 3D and they apparently could not color correct it well enough for the DVD release, it's freaking pink. Like it is the fakest looking blood. I mean, there are Vincent Price movies from the 60s that have better (laughs) looking fake blood. Um, And uh yeah terrible looking but and also the movie in general i think looks bad like there's the this weird stylistic choice where it's supposed to be like a hazy dream sequence but it just looks terrible i don't know if that was also for 3d um or what but uh but there is a really crazy twist at the end of seven that i was like okay okay i'm kind of glad i I finished the franchise because i didn't know about this part of it um 
then then it, I'm actually more disappointed with Jigsaw and Spiral though because they 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 don't do anything with the way uh, Saw Seven Especially ends. Spiral, yeah. But yeah, Spiral really is trash. Um, I'm hoping Saw X has something, man. But there's a scene in Seven where because you know John Kramer is getting older, but he's only in flashbacks after the third movie, mm. so he's supposed to be younger Kramer, but he's not younger Kramer because he's getting older. And there's a part oh, where he's wearing. Thing a hoodie and a backwards baseball cap yes and i'm like is he trying to be like look yep. i'm a teenager like it reminds me of um steve buscemi's in a in a movie or a show where he's like hey cool cats and he's trying to be like a high school kid i can't think of what movie it was like a sketch comedy or something Hello, um, fellow. Like, it's yeah yeah and it's like that's what the vibe was i'm like oh oh what did they do um that i've seen that online on i can't claim this one but on on the, on the internet you now the internet never fails they were like some all these studios nowadays spending tens of millions on deep faking and de-aging yeah. and install whatever they just they just had tobin bell stick his cap on backwards and like yeah that would yeah. do yeah that's, that's literally it, it oh it's so funny yeah. um but yeah uh and still awful though yeah, it's it's bad, but but <laughs> funny at the same time. Um, that's what I've been watching. Uh, I haven't been playing as much games. I did start Jedi Survivor, but I haven't played it as much as I should. It just feels it feels like so much. There's so many Big things game. on that game. Um, but I've been playing uh, Marvel Snap, and I, I returned to Disney Dreamlight Valley a little bit because uh, sometimes you just gotta chill with the the easy games where it's just like oh yeah, yeah, you know, farming and such. But but that's what oh, I've been yeah. consuming. Uh, no, it's the usual um, smorgasbord board of fun. Yep, usual mix. Uh, uh, again, some fun stuff out there. Uh, Real Steel, fun movie. Um, check it out. Well, before we leave, folks, we got to check in with each other because it takes a lot of work to stay this bloody awesome. And Matt, I just need to know that you're keeping those levels in check. So what have you been doing to stay bloody awesome? Well, it's, it's been out of this world, JB. Literally, because uh, at the end of the week, when I picked my kid up, I did so specifically on the Fridays so we could go to the planetarium. The, where I live is the only planetarium in a public school or state school, I guess, in the country. And it's my old school as well, which is pretty cool. And they've got this big old planetarium, big old dome you sit in. And they've got these fabulous HD uh, um, uh, domes ceiling, uh, which is uh, which has projected on the night sky. Everyone out there who knows what a planetarium is knows what happens. But if you don't, they project the night sky on from any time, pretty much any time. Obviously, there is a limit. But so, for example, we'd sit there, we we got in there, and they showed us what the sky looked like at that minute. It's very cloudy that day, so we couldn't see it. But it is what it looked like, and this is where the constellations and the planets are. But um, I took my kid there because they were doing. I think they called it like a. I don't know what I called it, like a stellar safari or something like that, where or a planet explorer, something even simpler. Basically, they just took took us to every planet. It was aimed for kids, like five and upwards. Uh, so they take you to the planets and they'd show you any pictures that NASA, whoever had uh, got of the planets. So what was it like to be on uh, or to be near uh, Venus, for example? And we get some facts about Venus and, you know, they didn't get the kids to ask questions. And, and on Mars, they, because we've actually been to Mars as a civilization, we've actually been there. We've touched the rovers down and we've, we, we, we can say they, you know, they kind of turn the, the room, they turn the planetarium dome the same color as it would be on Mars. So you feel like you're on that planet for the minute. And we've got the huge cliffs faces of Mars next to you. It's very cool and informative. And it went all the way down to Neptune. And they did mention things like Pluto and some of the, 
dwarf planets as they're called. There's one really cool fact. It's one of the moons of, I don't know where it was, maybe maybe Jupiter or somewhere like, or maybe even Neptune, where they're like, do you know what? This actual planet is an ocean planet, like Camino in Star Wars. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, but it's, it is encased in ice. So they're like, well, we know that there are fissures coming out of it. So there's potentially huge oceans underneath this planet, which potentially means if there's water, there could be some kind of life and things like that. Um, and I was like, oh, this is so cool. I'm learning like, all this really cool stuff. It was, it was mainly for my kid, but I thought, like, this is, I'm enjoying this. I'm digging this. I like space. I, I am like uh, constantly amazed by the wonder of what the space and the solar system is. I think it's, it's I, you can't comprehend it, but I love the idea of trying. Um, and of course, you know, Uranus or Uranus came up and I was like, hee giggle. Uh, but the kids are asking questions. And I thought, well, you know, I said, I said, how far away is Coruscant? Star Wars. Sorry, where's that? I was like, oh, sh- oh, no, it's the worst thing that could have happened. I can't, I'm not going to explain <laughs> to these people. So I was like, oh, no, it's a, it's a small planet I'd heard of somewhere. And she's like, please move on. But I was really hoping that, you know, the she would have got it and played along. But uh no this this dad looked a bit daft for a few seconds but as my kid would tell you that is absolutely nothing new but you know i just went to a planetarium recently uh checked out the hopped to all the planets got some cool facts and it's a nice way to spend an hour on a friday evening uh and it supported a local business and my old school as well so win 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 right there so uh jb did you uh take a trip off world or were you very much feet on the ground uh feet on the ground um and you know, that's sometimes necessary, but, uh, just balancing the old budget. Um, you know, I, I've mentioned changing careers, uh, not careers so much as, uh, locations, I guess. Um, still teaching, just teaching, uh, uh, what my actual mate, like major was in for my master's degree, uh, which is unheard of. Um, but, um, that comes with, uh, you know, some refinancing and attempting to get some debt under control. And, uh, so I, I uh, made a major change to my car insurance. That was a huge, um, a huge help with the the budget. So um, being an adult, having to like do a lot of research, I haven't switched my insurance in a long time. So I like, <laughs> can I just cancel before the thing? Do I have to wait till the end? When do I have to, you know, like, is it like Indiana Jones, like taking the idol off and having to like put the sand on immediately so that the, the yeah. boulder doesn't trigger. Like, that's what it feels like when you're switching is like, you got to have insurance, but you can't cancel it because then they'll charge you. And it's like, ah, ah. And I, I figured it out and I was like, okay, had to call someone. They canceled. I immediately got the other insurance and instantly saved a bunch of money. And then the best part, Matt, was finding out that they, I, I was ahead a month somehow. I don't know how at some point they must've charged me twice or something, but uh, I got a <laughs> refund, which I was like, I was apprehensive. I'm like, she said that maybe she was looking at the wrong thing, or maybe it was already pr- like assuming that I would have paid. Cause I like my insurance came out the 12th of every month. So I was like, until I get the refund, I'm going to, I'm going to assume that was a mistake on her part. It was not, I got my refund today. I was like, Oh my God, that's an extra 300 bucks that I was not nice. expecting to have. And so all little, little things like that just made uh, a lot of, stress of of job transitioning feel a little less stressful um and i need that because you know switching a job the new job is great but it's still like it was a major life change um it's a farther drive uh which is you know i'm used to my my 10 minute commute that i've been doing for 13 years is now suddenly a 35 to 40 minute commute with a lot more traffic um but uh you know, those little changes are stressful enough. And again, just that familiarity with my old job, I've been there for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, 
definitely felt like another home almost. And so uh, suddenly changing and, and being in a new place and trying to find my, my spot, um, I needed to get my budget under control. So I at least had that stress off. And right now, feeling a little, little better about it. So I'm, I'm grateful for, uh, I adulted and I adulted okay. Um, I didn't fall. So like, yeah, <laughs> I must've done it. I'm proud of you. I'm proud oh, of you, JP. You, Adulting stinks most of the time, but they say money doesn't make the world go round, which may be true, but an unexpected refund definitely puts a smile on our faces. So more of those, please. Well, I have some bad news though, man. Oh no. Cause next week we're going to be talking about a haunting in Venice. <laughs> And if I recall correctly, we were not the biggest fans of Midnight on the Orient Express, or more importantly, we were not a big fan of uh, Death on Death the Nile. On Nile. Didn't mind the where, first one. Didn't like the second one. Yeah, that's about how. Like, I real, I, I, the first one disappointed me because I was so like hyped for the idea of it because I think that was post Knives Out, and I love Knives Out, so I was like, all right, another um, mystery. I think it was a few months before. I okay, think. well, and then Knives Out came out a month or so later, and was like. Ah, uh, that's how you do it. Yeah, what I couldn't remember the the order of events, but I was hyped for both of those films because I like the idea of these mystery films. Yes. Um just Ryan Ryan Johnson is doing a better job with it uh, than Kenneth Branagh. But um, well, we're we're gonna have a haunting in Venice with a star studded cast. Uh, it's going to be in theaters everywhere this weekend, and we will be watching it to review it next week. Of course, we'll have our uh, spoiler mini sode for The Nun Two. Um, probably short and sweet because this episode went a little long. Um, but in the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on The Nun 2 or my opinion of James Wan's movies. Maybe don't be too cruel to me. I'm sorry. Mm. Uh, you can like them. I just, they don't click for me. Um, but you can hit us up on social media on Instagram. We're at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod and same as Threads. And Matt, where can they find us on X and or Twitter? Uh x slash twitter bamp underscore podcast b-a-m-p underscore podcast and we're still on the old facebook search bloody awesome movie podcast and you can follow us there uh remember we are a rotten tomato approved podcast so you can see our ratings on the tomometer um and see you know i think we're going uh rotten on the nun too unfortunately we will be um individually you can follow me at burkreviews.com and at Burke reviews on all these social media platforms. Matt, where can they find you? What I watch tonight.co.uk and search what I watch tonight across all of the socials, including letterboxd. And if you like what we're doing here at the bloody awesome movie podcast, we ask that you take a moment and give us that five star rating on whatever podcast catcher you use to listen with that. We encourage you to keep watching movies and stay bloody awesome. Awesome.